Hi, I'm Michael Siddle. And I'm Nick Nanos. And Nick, it's our year-end episode of Trendline, and we've actually have some good news to report for once for 2020. Uh, Health Canada just approved uh, the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, how smoothly do you think this will go for us? Well, I don't know. In the, uh, Is there such a thing as a fist pumping scale? Like, I think a full fist pump is when the, when, you know, the vaccine's rolled out and we've, uh, We've defeated the vaccine. I, I call this a half fist pump. A half, half-hearted fist pump. Half, not half-hearted, half. Half because fist pump. It is good news. There's a significant number of Canadians, especially Canadians at over 55 years of age, that are waiting mm -hmm. for a vaccine in order to normalize. The big question is, big question is, will we do a good job at distributing this? How mm -hmm. timely will it be? You know, the government's recently announced that it's approved vaccines. It's been trying to prepare. Provinces have been preparing to roll out the vaccines. And, but you know, it's a big question mark, not just in Canada, but around the world. We don't know how effective or ineffective governments will be at distributing it. And you know, the thing is these, some of these vaccines are kind of like the one, two, I was gonna say one, two punch, but it, they're like a one, two injection. Mm. So it's not like, I think uh, it's kind of like the, kind of like George Foreman said and forget it, like one and done yeah. is probably what would be the best, but many of this, these vaccines need two injections. So there's just extra logistics in, uh, in all of this. So I think it's still a bit of a question mark. That said, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. How's that? Yeah. That's, hopefully it's and, not a freight train. How's that? Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> not a freight train coming for us. And, and also just to, you know, to be clear, this is a, an initial batch of Pfizer's vaccine. What do you think about uh, vaccine hesitancy, uh, how, how that will play out? Uh, we, we've We've already seen Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland say that she will publicly get a shot, uh, which has a long tradition. Uh, back in 1952, Elvis Presley went on the Ed Sullivan show to get a polio uh, vaccine uh, live on air, or not live, but you know. Um, so do you, do you think this sort of uh, vaccine theater is, is effective, Nick? Well, first of all, Michael, I'd like to give you a personal tip of the hat for <laughs> Elvis, for mentioning Elvis on the podcast. Maybe we should try to do that once a year. So uh, I didn't our, know. Our yearly, I got it in at the very end of the year. There you go. <laughs> exactly. For all of, I know a lot of our fans still believe that the king is alive, but he's mm -hmm. dead. Anyways, that's a different <laughs> podcast. Um, I think it's good because, uh, you know, we saw in the United Kingdom earlier this week, you know, a uh, 90-year-old woman, the first woman in the United Kingdom to get the vaccine. She kind of said, if I could do it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. You should do it. Um, I, think, uh, I think it's important. Uh, people need to not only know that the vaccine is, is coming, but we need to have as many Canadians as possible to take the vaccine. The good news is, is that, you know, the, the anti-vaxxer movement is really, at least in Canada, a fringe movement. Uh, that, you know, the research suggests that uh, the vast majority of Canadians are, are open to taking a vaccine and are waiting for a vaccine. So, uh, so I think that I don't, th I wouldn't call it theater. That might be a little cynical. I think it's part of the public education campaign mm. where everyone has to do their bit, uh, not just in terms of social distancing and masks, but they have to do their bit in terms of, uh, of, of getting the vaccine when it is their turn mm. uh, in order for us to uh, roll back this pandemic. Now, uh, we are primarily a, a politics podcast uh, and, and YouTube show. So we would be remiss if we didn't end the year, Nick, with winners, uh, winners for the year. So would you like to take it away? Do you want a drum roll or? There we go. Is that a drum roll? Yep. A pathetic <laughs> drum roll. Do you know why it's a pathetic drum roll, Michael? Because I don't think there are any winners 
everyone's a loser. How's that? <laughs> Do I sound like the polling Grinch? So think of it this way. Let's let's just go through. Uh, when we talk about winners and losers, many times mm. we talk about politicians and political parties. So why don't we start with the current government? Uh, could have been winners, looked like they were winners, March, April, May, and then that we thing happened and no longer uh, winners. So, you know, a big disappointment for a significant number of Canadians on that front. So not a clean slate for the Liberals. The Conservatives could have been winners, uh, but then they had kind of that weird stuff with the leadership Mm-hmm. And uh, and all all the stuff that kind of transpired over that. So what could have been a big win and a clear win for them was much more of a mixed bag. Jagmeet Singh uh, has been in a difficult position where he's wanted to keep the government to account and advance an NDP agenda, but not defeat it. So he's basically turned into a parliamentary pretzel, keeping this uh, keeping the the government alive, and. Uh, you know, and for enemy Paul, I think uh, too early to say whether she's a winner or not. Mm-hmm. But you know, they they did have a good uh, leadership convention, about as good as it could be during the pandemic. Uh, there's a significant upside for the Green, and uh, she's uh, I'll call it a positive question mark. Right? People don't know a lot about her, haven't formed an opinion. But uh, sad to say, how about let's not give out a gold medal, a silver medal, or a bronze medal to anyone because. Uh, I think for many Canadians, this year has not only been about disappointment related to the pandemic and changes in their lives, it's probably been disappointing in terms of what they've seen from many of our elected officials. So no winners, everybody might get a participation prize at least. Uh, Like for effort, are we doing that? Yeah, well, (laughs) I'm old school, effort, yeah, I want the numbers. We gotta have the numbers to, you're, but uh, okay, if I'll be a little nice. Mm-hmm. Why don't we say the provincial premiers? Um, I think we can give a number of the provincial premiers a positive score as, can we call them half winners or potential mm-hmm. winners for a number of reasons. First of all, generally there's been good cooperation between the premiers. Generally the premiers have been working with the federal government and that, we've, and that the pandemic has not become partisan and political. So uh, why don't we give a tip of the hat, 2020 nanos tip of the hat to those premiers that have cooperated with each other in the pandemic and cooperated and worked positively with the federal government. There you go. Uh, Now our show is called Trend Lines. So obviously we want to look at the big trend lines for all of 2020. Um, And I know you've got a couple of them. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, okay, so the first one is what I will call the Nanos white knuckle. Do my knuckles look white? White knuckle trend line. That has to do with the pandemic. You know, when we look at the trend line on the pandemic, coronavirus is a top unprompted national issue of concern. Check it out. We see the first wave and the second wave. And the big question is, will this continue to be a roller coaster ride? And this is why the effectiveness of the vaccine is going to be critical. In the ideal world, it's a two hump camel, right? We had a one hump camel, two hump camel. Good news is there's no such thing as a three hump camel, but we get into kind of roller coaster territory. So that's one of the key trend lines. The one thing to watch out for is will it only be two surges and then we'll do a better job at managing this or will it, Lord help us surge for a third time as people mm-hmm. worry about that. And then the, the second, and uh, I'm gonna call this the stealth trend line. 
because it's not on the radar. It's kind of there and people are thinking about it, mm. but it is very significant. This has to do with the environment. We track, we track people's, uh, the, the proportion of Canadians that identify the environment as the top national unprompted issue of concern. And you know what, Michael, when you look at that trend line in, in 2019, it looked like everything had aligned. You can see the numbers go up at the end of 2019. January in 2020 looked very good for the environment. It was like Canada was at a moment in time to deal with the environment. And then whammo, we had the pandemic. And you see basically the, the environment as a top national issue concern fade away as Canadians are worried about their personal health and their economic health. So I say that's the one to watch, hmm. the environment, because Canadians still want action on the environment. But right now, the day-to-day -day issues that they're fighting have to do with their health, their physical health, and their economic health. It should be interesting, Nick, in 2021 with a new uh, U.S. administration moving in uh, with Joe Biden's team, where we'll, we'll obviously did see the Trump environment. Did you, did you say that Trump's moving out? I don't know. Oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it. Yeah, it, it, I think he is. Yeah. yeah. Is it um, the curtains? Will the curtains stay? We'll see. Actually, you know what? I was going to ask you, talking about predictions later, um, <laughs> if, if Trump will show up at, at Biden's inauguration to be continued. We'll see. Uh, but in terms of um, political scandals, um, oh wait, I didn't finish my thought. I was going to say, with the with the Biden administration moving in, uh, I, I wonder how much of an of uh, we'll see environmental issues be you know move at the at the forefront again. Uh, yeah, well, you know, the thing is on the environmental front, Canadians, um, they in in the ideal world for many Canadians, they say that we have to do as good a job or a better job than the Americans on the environment. It's part mm -hmm. of our self-identity. Mm -hmm. It's when we, if, if the Americans are seen as doing a better job on the environment than Canadians, then it's kind of like, what's going on? Like it's bizarro world. Mm -hmm. So the, the Biden administration uh, has already sent a number of signals. The thing is, is that some of these signals might not be good for some parts of the Canadian economy. Keystone XL, for example, mm -hmm. uh, and for kind of the, a car, the carbon part of the Canadian economy could not uh, could basically take a hit under a Biden administration as it kind of advances its its environmental administration. But you know what we have at least now is uh, is an administration in the an, an expected administration in the United States that will probably be a little closer to Canada um, and probably will look to have normal relations. They might not be as great as other times. But I think, uh, I think it would be fair to say that the relationship between Canada and the United States will be more stable hmm. and uh, we won't necessarily be uh, roughed up. Uh, you know, like we won't have to wake up, wake up to the like 3 a.m. tweet from the <laughs> yeah. president on uh, slapping new tariffs on aluminum. That hmm. won't happen at three o'clock in the morning. If it does, it'll happen during regular business hours, just like it has in the Canada-U.S. relationship right. for the last hundred years. <laughs> How's that? But that's okay. That's okay. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a it's been a, a long year uh, in U.S. Canada politics news, that's for sure. Uh, and also for Canadian politics uh, political reporters, uh, they've been keeping busy. What's what do you think your top scandal of 2020 is? Yeah, it's a two-letter word. Starts with the letter W, ends with the letter E. We, oui. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the French we. Oui. I'm talking about the English we. Oui. You know that mm. that scandal basically took. You know the Liberals were were were. You know, I was going to say they're on fire, but that could be interpreted two different ways. The Liberals were on a roll at the beginning of the pandemic. 
the prime minister was seen as being proactive. Uh, They're very transparent in terms of trying to get the message out. They're very available. He was in the news every day. And, the, and you know, the Liberals managed to put behind him some of the uh, turbulence that they hit in the last uh, federal election, which it might seem like a thousand years ago, but that last election was only a little over a year ago, Michael. So, wow. and then along comes this we scandal and it fe- effectively erases many of the gains that the Liberals uh, had. And they had a pretty tough, uh, tough summer. That said, the last month has been better. It's kind of like the second surge of the pandemic. The liberal numbers have gone up hmm. as uh, Canadians have focused on the pandemic and have focused on wanting to know what the prime minister is doing and what premiers are doing in order to fight the pandemic. So pandemic has made for good politics um, from a health, health policy perspective, mm-hmm. for the provinces and the federal government. But the pandemic kind of, the twist on the pandemic related to the we controversy and the potential sole sourcing of the contract or contract uh, and program to the WE charity uh, is kind of like the, the one black eye. And, you know, if I were the Liberals, I'd worry about anything related to sourcing of contracts and spending come 2021. Mm. Uh, now it's time to get into the old trend line time machine for which we still don't have a sound effect, unfortunately. Um, but uh, you have made a lot of predictions, forecasts for 2020, Nick, and, and I just want to take a peek back. Uh, so the, the big one, I think, was uh, what you thought about the U.S. election. Biden will win the popular vote. He hasn't had a major gap. He's had a stable advantage throughout the whole thing. So I, th- I think I'm pretty comfortable in predicting that he'll win the popular vote, assuming that all the votes are counted and mail vote- votes count and mm-hmm. uh, are considered valid. Uh, but uh, when it comes to the Electoral College, uh, I would be very cautious because there are a number of battleground states that are a toss-up statistically from a polling perspective. And uh, if they flip, then any uh, then I would say all bets are off. So I, I think a lot of people, Nick, saw um, Biden leading in the national polls. Um, they didn't take your advice on to be wary of state polls. And then on election night, I think they were a, a little alarmed at how close it got. But uh, for loyal Trendline listeners, I think we were, we were a little less uh, anxious about it, um, mm-hmm. about trying to figure out what the heck was going on. Uh, so um, basically, I, I, I think you, you nailed it. Thanks. Is, are, does that mean E for effort? Are you on the effort thing? You get a, you get an official stiddle tip of the hat for 2020. Okay, that's good. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, let's move on to another prediction. Uh, you also, I, I, this is my personal favorite. I think leading into the conservative leadership uh, convention, uh, the conservatives were, uh, were they ahead or, or behind 12 they were points? Trending up. Well, they were starting, they were starting to trend up. Hmm. Uh, as a result of the leadership convention, a little and bit. right, and and this is what you had to say. Watch out for a recovery in uh, consumer confidence after about another ninety days, and uh, let's see whether the conservative leadership race can generate some excitement because the conservatives need it's like jumper cables. They need jumper cables on that party because right now they're twelve points back. Mm-hmm. They need an exciting close in the leadership in order to engage Canadians and become more competitive with the Liberals. Uh, didn't, didn't exactly 
play out that that way, Nick. Uh, we we had that voting machine uh, mistake. It was almost like a comedy of errors. Yeah, and you know the thing is, is they did it. They did trend up to be statistically tied with the Liberals, hmm. and then and then it just basically all unwound as people were wondering uh, wondering what's going on. And uh, you know, and you know, right now we've had the uh, we've had the Conservatives trend down at least for the last four to five weeks. So it's a it's an important time for Aaron O'Toole to kind of uh, what do we say? It's winter time. Get those jumper cables back out right? <laughs> for the new year, right? Let's, uh, you know, yeah. for him, he probably wants to put 2020 behind him. Like a, he wants to tick off the box, like Aaron O'Toole won. Yes, mm. he won. And then, uh, and then to have a strategy for, uh, for 2021 and the potential election that could happen in 2021. Uh, you've got some outstanding predictions. Uh, one, one of them is uh, uh, Green Party leader Annamie Paul. Uh, let's listen to what you had to say about that. Well, if you're looking at the political map of Canada and the polling and uh, ridings that have the best opportunity for the Green Party of Canada, they would be in British Columbia. British Columbia, let's, let's face it, if there's ever a Green Revolution, it's going to start in B.C., so uh, you talked about you talked about the secret trend line, uh, the hidden trend line of, of, of the environment, which is going to we think will come back in a big way in, in 2021. So uh, do you stand by your prediction that, that enemy Paul will potentially find success in, uh, in BC and, and get uh, elected? Well, I, I still think uh, the numbers do show that the British Columbia is probably the best province for the Greens. You know, they already have a couple seats in British Columbia. You know, you have to think of, especially on Vancouver Island, you know, there are a couple of ridings in, in Vancouver Island that the, the Greens just barely lost. Uh, and then they can, they have that economy of scale and the clustering of ridings where they can bring resources to bear. So that would be the easiest as opposed to cherry picking something where there's not a lot of green, uh, not a lot of green members of parliament or any green members of parliament. So I still think today, looking at the polling numbers, um, enemy Paul would probably be best served by running in a riding in British Columbia, uh, ideally close to the other uh, the green green ridings that they have there. And uh, there are there are two or three that could easily flip into the green column uh, if she has a good showing. Now, uh, looking ahead uh, to 2021, do you have any other predictions? I, I know that you know we we talked about a potential uh, federal election in Canada. Do you still think that that's, that there's a big chance of that happening? Well, I think if you're the Liberals, so here, here's, uh, it's kind of like a bit of a moving target. So we have stimulus. Um, I've always believed that for the incumbent government that they should probably want to have an election while stimulus is still being pumped into the economy. Hmm. So the further they kick the can, the further away an election. If we find out that stimulus is going to end in the summer, for example, which some of it is uh, planned at least to end in the summer at this point in time, then I would I would not be surprised if the Liberals by hook or by crook uh, try to have an election because it'll just be more difficult for them uh, with without an election. Uh, that said, the opposition parties are probably not in a rush to have an election right now. I think they probably want to uh, to see how the pandemic is going to play itself out and how the economy plays itself out. Because if there are fewer Canadians receiving support from the federal government, they'll just be, they'll just be more grumpy. And, uh, and, you know, I would also expect predictions for next year is that the, all of the opposition parties are going to have laser-like focus on the tendering of every single contract related to the pandemic. 
and they're going to try to add to the we narrative. They're going to try to add fire, fuel to the fire of the we controversy to see if there are other sole source contracts in order to create a narrative that uh, the rules weren't followed the way they normally are followed uh, under the Liberals in order to fight the pandemic. So, so two predictions. If, if, this, if the stimulus runs out, there'll be TikTok, I think an election in short order. Uh, the second prediction will be that opposition parties will try their best to dig into the details of you know, the $300 billion in spending, the deficit that we have, and whether there are other we-like situations mm. which might reflect poorly on the government. Well, there you go. Uh, Nick, it's, it's been a very chaotic year. Um, I, I, on behalf of, you know, the Trendline team, I, for our listeners and viewers, I just want to uh, thank everyone for sticking with us and hoping everyone stays safe and healthy uh, for the upcoming holidays. And Nick, where can we find you? You can find me at Nick N-I-K Nanos on Twitter, or you can go to the website for all of our stats at www.nanos.com. And I'm also on Twitter at Michael Stittle. Uh, you can also find more information about what Nick and I have talked about in this episode, as always, at ctvnews.ca. Uh, thanks, everyone. Mm-hmm.